morning, church. Thank you, Rodney, for doing that. I like doing stuff that's different. So there was a lot of speaking going on. So y'all followed very well. That was, uh, that was very neat to do that. I like when we do some things different in worship. You know, it is okay to do that. So we are to speak to one another. That was a great way to illustrate that. It's a great time of the year. School is winding down. Um, let me illustrate. How many days till school's over? Yes. Now, if you want to hear, we can illustrate that another way. Teachers, how many days till school's over? Yeah. Summer is coming, vacations are coming, it's a great time, and Johnny Manziel got drafted. And obviously you care about as much as I do. So, we are in a series called Nothing But the Blood. Let me give you some facts about blood. Let me give you some facts about blood. More than 4.5 million patients need blood transfusions each year in the U.S. and Canada. 43,000 pints of blood are donated each day. Someone needs blood every two seconds. About one in seven people entering the hospital need blood. One pint of blood can save up to three lives. If you donate beginning at the age 17 and donate every 56 days, depending on your health and iron levels and all that stuff, until you're 79 years old, you'll donate 46.5 gallons of blood. Isn't that cool? You can pull that up on a website, Red Cross. Very interesting. Here's another interesting deal. There is no substitute for human blood. There's no substitute for human blood. And with all the blood that you donate or can donate, with all the lives that you can save, you can't save a soul. You can save lives. But you can't, your blood can't save a soul. Our series is called Nothing But the Blood. And so we're talking about blood and the different things about blood and how you need blood physically to live. And we're illustrating that when it comes to spiritually speaking, you need the blood of Jesus to live. Without blood, physically, you die. Without blood, spiritually, the blood of Jesus, you will die eternally and spend Eternity in a place that you don't want to go to. Our text today is Hebrews chapter 12. If you want to be turning to Hebrews 12, let me tell you what's going on in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12, the writer stops to give us the fifth warning in his book, the book of Hebrews. And in the midst of this warning, he takes us back to the Old Testament. He's going to take us back to Exodus 19, where God is going to speak to the people at Mount Sinai. Now, if you don't know much about the Bible, if you don't know much about mountains, if you wanted to find God, if you wanted to encounter God, you went to Mount Sinai. That was His mountain. That was, if you will, if you wanted to say God dwells somewhere, God lives somewhere, You went to Mount Sinai to find God. God has just led His people out of slavery in Egypt. He's going to gather them around and He's going to speak to them. In fact, God says in Exodus 19 verse 9, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking to you. Wouldn't you like to hear God speak today? I mean, wouldn't you like to get a word from the Lord today? 
I mean, in reference to a job, in reference to relationships, in reference to, Lord, I'm thinking about getting married. Should I marry? Should I move? Should I invest? Should I? Wouldn't you like to have a, wouldn't you like to have God speak to you today? God tells Moses, all right, listen, I want you to gather all the people together because I'm going to speak to you. But before the people come to the mountain, God says, you tell the people, you need to consecrate yourselves, you need to wash your clothes, you need to wash yourselves, you need to get ready for an encounter with God. Further, God tells Moses, He says, all right, we're going to bring everybody up to the mountain. I want you to put limits, I want you to put boundaries around that mountain. If God's going to come down and be on the mountain, you can't just go climbing on that mountain. So you put limits on that mountain. You tell the people, don't go up the mountain. Don't even touch the foot of the mountain. If you touch the foot of the mountain, you will die. If you touch the foot of the mountain, you will be stoned or shot with arrows. If you touch the foot of the mountain, you will not live. You tell the people that when I come down in the presence of God, you do what I say. Because I'm about to speak. And that's exactly what happened. Moses gave them the instructions and they gathered around the mountain. And you can read in Exodus 19, we've got this up... Look at everything that's going on in Exodus 19. There's thunder and lightning and a thick, dense cloud, and there's loud trumpets, and everyone in the camp trembled. And then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke. The Lord descended in fire. The smoke billowed up like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently, so the people trembled. The mountain trembled. There's a lot of trembling going on, and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Now... That's what's going on when we're about to read Hebrews 12. That's the setting. So in Hebrews 12, beginning in verse 18, he says, You've not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire. That's the Exodus 19, Mount Sinai. Um, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast or such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them. Because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches a mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I'm trembling. The people trembled. The mountain trembled. Moses trembled. Because when God speaks, that's the response of everything. Of the earth, of the people, of Moses. Everything trembles. But then we keep reading. He's making a comparison here. He says, but you've come to Mount Zion. To the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. To the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You've come to God, the judge of all men. To the spirits of righteous men made perfect. So let me tell you again what's going on. The writer of Hebrews is writing to a group of people. He's writing to Christians who are thinking, you know what? I got this Christianity stuff, but I'm thinking about going back. I'm thinking about worshiping the way I used to worship. And so what he's doing in Hebrews is he's comparing things. And he uses the word better 13 times. He wants them to know, listen, listen, listen. You can go back if you want, but what you have now is better. And so he's making a comparison, and he says Jesus is better. And all throughout the book, Jesus is better than the prophets. Jesus is better than Moses. He's better than the angels. He's better than Aaron. He's better than the high priest. His covenant is better. His sacrifice is better. His sanctuary is better. And then we get to Hebrews 12, and he's going to compare two mountains. Mount Sinai, where the law was given, 
and Mount Zion, which represents Jesus and everything we have in Jesus. What happened at Mount Sinai? Well, we read that. They were scared to death. I mean, they trembled. The mountain trembled. They had to worship God and observe from a distance because there were limits, there were boundaries. You could only go so far. What happens at Mount Zion is completely different. He says, you no longer have to worship from a distance. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels to the church of the firstborn. You've come to heaven. You've come to God. You've come to the judge of all men. You've come to the spirits of righteous men made perfect. You've come to Jesus. You've come to the mediator. You've come to the sprinkled blood. You've come to a better word. You've come to the heavenly city, which if you read Hebrews 11, all the people of faith were looking forward to a better city. You've come to all of this because, because of the blood of Jesus. So you go back if you want. But you're not going to have this. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You need to choose Mount Zion and everything we have in Jesus. Or you need to go back and do it this way. But it's really no choice. Now, when we gather, he says, this is who we're coming to. This is the one we encounter. At Mount Sinai, we're kept at a distance. At Mount Zion were brought near. At Mount Sinai, there was terror and gloom. At Mount Zion, there's joyful assembly. At Mount Sinai, things were written on stones. At Mount Zion, names are written in heaven. Mount Sinai, there's judgment and death. At Mount Zion, there's forgiveness and redemption. Now, having said all of this and making all this comparison, that gets us to this verse. Look at verse 24. You've come to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant, and do the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Isn't that interesting? I mean, Rodney's talking about us speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. At Mount Sinai, God spoke and everything trembled. But now at Mount Zion, everything about Jesus, He says, I want you to know, listen, 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 I want you to know this. The blood of Jesus speaks. I know when Jesus was on the earth, He spoke. I mean, you would expect that, but Jesus isn't here anymore. And in Hebrews chapter 1, the writer says, In the past God spoke to our forefathers, and He spoke to prophets, and He spoke in many ways, and He spoke in various places. And now in Hebrews 1, He speaks through Jesus, but in Hebrews 12, He says, I want you to know, listen, listen, listen. The blood of Jesus speaks, and it speaks a better word. What does the blood of Jesus say? What does the blood of Jesus speak? Well, he makes reference to the blood of Abel. You remember Abel? You can read about Abel in Genesis 4. He offered a better sacrifice than his brother Cain. So what does Cain do? Cain kills his brother. And the Lord said to Cain, What have you done? Your brother's blood cries out from the ground. Your brother's blood calls out. Your brother's blood speaks from the earth. But the blood of Jesus speaks different than the blood of Abel. So what's the difference in the two bloods? Well, Abel's blood spoke from the earth and cried out for justice. It cried out vengeance. But the blood of Jesus announces mercy for sinners. The blood of Jesus frees us from guilt. And pulls us closer to God. The blood of Jesus speaks. So really, here's the point of the whole text today. Here's the point of the whole sermon today. If the blood of Jesus speaks, 
Whose blood are you listening to today? I mean, you've got the option of listening to the blood of Abel that speaks vengeance and judgment and death. You've got the option of listening to a lot of voices today. You've got a lot of things that your ears can listen to today. But the writer says, I want you to listen to the blood of Jesus and what it has to say. I'm afraid that many times we're listening to the wrong voice. There's no reason to listen to the voices of doubt. There's no reason to listen to voices of insecurity. There's no reason to listen to voices of discouragement and despair. There's no reason to listen to voices of loneliness. There's no reason to listen to any of those voices because the blood of Jesus speaks a better word. The blood of Jesus speaks. The blood of Jesus speaks a better word. The blood of Jesus speaks on our behalf. Whose blood are you listening to? The blood of Jesus speaks to us today. The blood of Jesus is calling our name. Now listen, we said this is a fifth warning. Look at verse 25. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. Why would he say that? Because at Mount Sinai, they refused to listen. They ignored. They were disobedient. And he says, see to it that when the blood of Jesus speaks, you listen You pay attention. You take heed because the blood of Jesus is so much better than anything that you would want to turn back and go and live that way. See to it that you do not ignore. See to it that you do not tune out the blood of Jesus. Listen, folks, the blood of Jesus speaks. The blood of Jesus cleanses and washes away and forgives. The blood of Jesus covers all our sins. The blood of Jesus guarantees us an inheritance. But the Hebrew writer wants us to know that the blood of Jesus calls out and speaks to us. And we need to listen. The author says we live in a world, if you keep reading in Hebrews 12, we live in a world, not only was it shaken at Mount Sinai, it's going to be shaken again. When the Lord returns, things are going to shake. But you don't have to live in a world that is shaky if you base your faith on the blood of Jesus that speaks. The question is, what sin in your life is speaking louder than the blood of Jesus today? What sin in your life has a stronghold on you that's keeping you from moving forward in your life? What sin in your life is speaking louder than the blood of Jesus and is ruining your life because you're telling yourself that the blood of Jesus can't wash that sin away? What sin in your life is bringing you down right now? Because the blood of Jesus wants to speak to that sin. In 2006, the Associated Press ran an article about Dr. Samuel Weinstein. Dr. Weinstein was doing a mercy mission operation on an eight-year-old boy at Bloom Hospital in El Salvador. The boy's aortic valve and pulmonary valves were replaced. And Weinstein writes, the surgery had been going well. Everything was working great, but he was bleeding a lot. And they didn't have a lot of medicines we could use to stop the bleeding. He continued. After a while, they said they couldn't give him blood because they were running out. And he had a rare type. We realized he might bleed to death, so I asked what blood type he was, and they said, he's B negative. And Weinstein said without hesitation, 
I'm be negative. Dr. Robert Mitchell, founder of the Heart Care International, said to Weinstein, he knew what Weinstein was about to do, and he said, I support you. So Weinstein took a 20-minute break from the surgery, and he gave his blood. And the article says that when he was done and the blood was drawn, he ate a Pop-Tart to get some energy. He returned to the operating table, and he watched as his blood saved the life of that boy because they were both B-negative. American Red Cross says that 2% of the population has B-negative Blood. Not very many people have B-negative blood. What are the chances that the guy operating on him had the same blood? Weinstein went on to say, I'm getting the attention because I'm the one who gave the blood. But there wasn't anybody on the team, I mean anybody, the nurses, the clerks, who wouldn't have done the same thing. Remember what we said at the beginning? Your blood can save lives. And if one pint saves three lives, and if you were able to give that 46.5 gallons over your lifetime, you do the math. Your blood could save, help save, about 1,100 people. But your blood can't save a soul. Your blood doesn't speak the way the blood of Jesus speaks. Your blood doesn't save the way the blood of Jesus saves. And the blood of Jesus is speaking into your life today. I'm just not sure you're listening. If you're not a Christian, the blood of Jesus isn't doing anything for you right now because you've not contacted the blood. You've not named Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've not been baptized to have the blood of Jesus wash your sins away. The blood of Jesus can't speak if you don't respond. See to it that you do not refuse Him who speaks. You can leave here today and ignore the blood of Jesus and not pay any attention to the blood of Jesus. And if you've never become a Christian, if you've never said, you know what, I need the blood of Jesus, I want that eternal life, then the blood of Jesus can't speak to you. The invitation that we offer isn't to join this church The invitation is to respond to the blood of Jesus and how the blood of Jesus can speak into your life. But if you're a Christian, you can also ignore the blood of Jesus. Those sins of the past that seem to have a stronghold on you, those sins that you've committed, the the ones you just can't seem to forget, I, I sure hope the blood of Jesus, I hope when I die that the blood of Jesus can save, I hope that, You're not listening to the blood of Jesus either. Because the blood of Jesus speaks forgiveness. The blood of Jesus speaks salvation. The blood of Jesus speaks hope. The blood of Jesus speaks everything that we need to hear. If you need to respond to the invitation today, the blood of Jesus is speaking today. The blood of Jesus is calling out today. The blood of Jesus wants to wash away the sins in your life. If you've never responded to Jesus as Lord and Savior, we want to baptize you for the forgiveness of your sins. And this water doesn't wash your sins away. The blood of Jesus speaks and washes your sins away. If you need to respond to the blood of Jesus today, would you come forward as we stand and sing?
Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washing the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments.